welcome to the Celebrate Community Church of Yankton podcast. My name is Jeff Todd, and I have the privilege of serving as pastor of this amazing church community here in Yankton, South Dakota. I just want to say thank you for joining us. It's my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. There was a wife standing in her kitchen one morning scrambling some eggs, and her husband ran into the kitchen saying, Careful, careful! You're cooking too many eggs at once. We need more butter. They're going to stick. Are you crazy? You didn't salt them. More salt, more salt. Well, she was about to punch him in the face, um, but instead of doing that, she looked at him and said, what's wrong with you? To which the husband replied, I just wanted you to see what it feels like when I drive in a car with you. <laughs> Ooh, I just divided the room on that one. So uh, just so you know, in our house, it's the opposite. I'm the one in the passenger seat going, wait, wait. Watch, look at my wife's a great driver. She's much better than I am. So, if you're a guest or you're joining us online uh, and this is your first time here, you're, you're coming in at the end of the movie. We are wrapping up a series today that we've been in for the last four weeks, and uh, it's been based on this one little verse that Jesus taught in John chapter 13. And so, one more time, church, let's read this verse out loud together. A new command I give you love one another as I have loved you. So, you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Love is the key ingredient to being a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus said it is the one thing that will determine who is my follower and who is not. And throughout history, for the last 2,000 years, when God's people have really understood this idea of what it means to truly love as Christ does, it's changed everything about their world, about their culture, and about their lives. So one more time, church, help me out. What's love got to do with it? Good job. And we've been saying throughout this series that people are difficult to love. Now, if you haven't caught on to this, again, if you're a guest, we're, we're glad you're here. If you didn't catch it last week, I cannot end this series without making it abundantly clear to everyone here, the people who are difficult to love is me. It's the person in the mirror. You with me, church? Okay, we talked about that. I can be difficult to love. In this message, my, my fear in this message is that somehow this has become weaponized, and we say to people in our church, didn't you listen to the message? You should love like that. You don't get it. This is about us and how we can love, right? I can be difficult to love, and we want to unpack that. And here's the other thing that I want you to get from this series is we talk about what it means to love. Jesus commanded us, we're to love, but people can be difficult to love. How do we walk in that tension? And we have from the Bible, and, and I say this a lot, and again, I just wonder if God's word is really our authority, okay? Because are we reading the Bible? And, and, and part of that's me, and this is what I want to help you understand. If you're not in God's word, and you say you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to square with that. You need to try to get into it. This is why we have those classes, the Old and New Testament class. I wasn't going to do this, but I am. We actually have some openings. If you were on the fence and you didn't quite make it and you think maybe, man, I can't encourage you enough, talk to me, text that number, connect it, celebrate, say, I want to be part of those classes because I think it matters. And, and why I think where I'm going with this is because we think we're reading the Bible. We're not. These are real people who lived in the first century who understood this tension, I'm called to love, but people are difficult to love, of which I'm the worst. How can I do this? And then we talked about a guy named Peter, who was in the room the night Jesus gave this command. And they said, Peter, what do I do when someone hurts me? How do I love them? Because my natural response when someone hurts me is I want to hurt them back. 
or I want to run away, or I want to freeze. And Peter said, no, when you're followers of Jesus Christ, that's not our response. We're to bless them. And to help people understand that, Peter taught his congregation a song, because that's what good pastors do. They use music to attach it. See what they do, right? And he taught us a song to be sympathetic, be compassionate, and be humble. And then the second week, we talked about a guy named Philemon. If you didn't know Philemon, go back and watch that on our website, yankton.church, our YouTube channel, is a podcast as well. Philemon was a guy who had, for lack of a better term, an employee of one of his employees who disrespected him, who was being brought back. And Paul, who was Philemon's pastor, had authority over Philemon. He said, listen, in the world, when you have authority over another person, we tend to lord it over them or, or hold them under us. But as followers of Jesus, not so among you. Instead, when you are a follower of Jesus and you have authority over someone, you are to appeal to love. You are to give them a choice. And you are to remember where your authority came from. It came from God. And it can be taken away. You're no better than them. And then last week, we talked about a guy named John. John was one of Jesus' closest disciples. John was the last living apostle, probably the last living person who actually saw Jesus Christ. He was there at the foot of the cross when he was hanging on the cross and said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. John, who heard it, who saw it, who smelled it, said, Don't you dare say that you're a follower of Jesus Christ and not love your brother or sister. Jesus, John said, How we show our faith, how we demonstrate our faith in a God we cannot see, is by loving broken, sinful people we can see who don't deserve our love because God first loved us. So in your Bibles today, go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If you don't have a Bible, let us know. We'd love to get you one. It's also you version. It's a free app on any smartphone or device. This is a guy named Paul. We talked about Paul. We talked about Philemon. And we cannot do a series on love without talking about 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And I say that with a smile on my face because I almost cut this message out of the series. I almost went a different direction with it. And, and, and I, try to do, I try to stay in touch with the Holy Spirit as much as I can. And God was like, Jeff, you can't do that. <laughs> we need to hear this. So we're going to talk about it. 1 Corinthians 13 is commonly referred to as the wedding passage. It's read at a lot. How many of you have been to a wedding and heard 1 Corinthians 13 read? Okay, It was read at my wedding. This is what I say. I think we should probably stop doing that. Here's why. I don't think we really get what it says. And I think if we did, it would change a lot of things. So let's look at what it says. 1 Corinthians 13. I'm going to start in the first verse. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge and have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give away my body to hardship, that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. What's Paul saying there? I can know everything, I can give everything, but if I do not have love, it doesn't matter. Love is the key ingredient. And then Paul will go on in verse 4 to give one of the greatest descriptions of love ever written. And if you're here today and you don't trust the Bible or you're not a Bible person, this is why you should read your Bible. I would say that any, you find me another definition of love anywhere, anywhere in the history of literature that matches Paul's description of what truly means in this passage. I want to read this for you. Love is patient. 
Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that what we want love to be? Isn't that how we want to give and receive love in such a way as that? But then we come to verse 7. And on the surface, we can blow past verse 7 and really miss something that's very important that's said. And this is why I think, again, I think we should probably stop reading this at weddings because the reason why the divorce rate is about 60% right now, even amongst God's people, even amongst Christians, is because I don't think we really understand what Paul's saying here. Here's verse 7. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Now, what Paul is doing here, just so you can understand this, is Paul is taking these four little Greek words. So I mentioned this before in the series. The Bible was not written in English, in case that disappoints you. Okay, It was written in Greek. All right, That's why we have different translations of the Bible. It's not versions. They're just translations of it. But the word Paul uses there is the word pas, P-A-S, and it means the word always. That's where it translates. It means everything, all the time, never doesn't, right? That's pas. You with me? Paul takes the word pas, and he ties it to four other little Greek words to clarify this definition of love. The first one is the word we translate as protect, okay? That word protect means like a covering. Like, for example, we have a roof over our head. It's providing a protection for us from the elements, right? Okay, that's what that word means. Then he says, always trusts. That word means to believe. Means we think it to be true until shown otherwise. Always does that. Love always hopes. Hope, that word, is the word hope. It means to expect, to desire that something will happen. And then always endures. That word means remains. It never gives up. It never fails. Never gives up on me. Just like we just sang, right? That's the word endures. So again, what Paul says is love always protects, always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Now, my question for you is, is that what you experience with love? Is that what you've given? Is that what you received? See, next year, I'm going to celebrate a decade as a pastor. And can I tell you, I've had hundreds of conversations with people. And this is how sometimes I hear love described. Not protecting, but sometimes it's described as, I delight in uncovering your mistakes. <laughs> You're not scrambling the eggs right. You're not driving right. I'm going to show you. You're doing wrong. See? That's sometimes what love looks like. Not love always trusts. Love thrives on suspicions. Meaning you better prove to me you're right. You're guilty until proven innocent. Friends, that's not love. I haven't seen love not always hope, but sometimes love assumes the worst. Isn't it interesting when there's a gap in information, sometimes we automatically put negative things in there because we assume the worst instead of believe the best in people? That's not what love does. That's not hope. I've heard love not always endure, but love embraces doubt. Sometimes they'll just wonder. I wonder when the other shoes drop. I wonder when they're going to leave. I wonder when they're finally going to get sick of me and walk out the door and go to someone else. Why am I saying all that? Because when it comes to love and what we've had in our lives... There can be a gap, can't there be? We have an expectation of what we think it's going to be. 
And then we have our experience over here. And there's a gap between what we expect and what we experience. Let me give you some examples. You said you'd be home at 6 p.m. and now it's 7.30 and I haven't even got a text message yet. <laughs> you said you'd watch the budget this month, but here we are the first weekend of September and you've already spent all your money and you're broke already. How about this one? You promised you would, and now you're making excuses why you can't. How about this one? You stood at an altar. We joined hands. We promised to love all and cherish and forsake all others. And now you're leaving. See, sometimes when it comes to love, there's what we expect and what we experience and there can be a gap. And I just want to say this before we move on. If you don't know my story, if you're new to Celebrate, please understand this. Elaine and I, um, back in 2009, we were separated and we were ready for a divorce. We were done. We were done with our marriage. And, 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 and so I've been there before. Okay? I get it. And I don't want you to feel judged. I want you to feel condemned. Because we've all been there and we've struggled in those things before. And, and I've been there too. But I want to give you something. And, and, and I first heard this. Elaine and I, um, I, I've shared this before. But the problem wasn't Elaine. The problem was me. Right? Because we weren't connecting to each other. We weren't connecting to our Heavenly Father. See, once both Elaine and I connected to our Heavenly Father, it's amazing how our marriage got better. You with me on this? And I always say this. She got there before I did. And, and, and because of that, we're here today. But here's the thing that I don't want you to miss. I'm going to try to sell this to you, okay? I heard this message back in 2011. Okay? We just got back together in 2009. We are still together, and it's 2023. You with me? So this one thing... Yeah, you can applaud that. Thank you. Because God didn't save our marriage for the benefit of our marriage. God saved our marriage because he knew we needed to be here in Yankton. And he knew every single one of you needed to know that there's a God who loves you. And we're here today because of this. So what I'm about to tell you it can change your entire life. And it already has because it's why we're here. Are you with me, church? Here's what I want you to understand. You want to write this down. Love is determined by what you put in the gap. Love is determined by what you put in the gap. Anytime there is a gap between what you expect and what you experience, you have a choice as to what you're going to put in that gap. Let me give you an illustration. Marcus Buckingham wrote a book called The One Thing You Need to Know. And if you haven't read this book, it's a fantastic book. It's kind of dated, but man, it's got some good stuff in here. But they've done this experiment, and it's been repeated multiple times. They studied 105 couples who their average marriage had been 10 years. That's the average. So there's a lot of people that have been married a lot longer, but the minimum, I should say the minimum, the minimum was they've been together at least 10 years, okay? And the one thing they said was, okay, we want to determine which couple say that you are a happy couple and which couple say they're an unhappy couple, okay? So they kind of split it between happy couple, unhappy couple. So they started with the unhappy couples first. And they went to them and they said, okay, I want you to rate your partner in all these different categories. And what they found was what I just said. The unhappy couples had a gap in their expectations. They had an expectation, there's a gap, and what they experienced. And that's what's made them unhappy. You with me, church? Okay. So then they said, okay, now we have the happy couples over here. So like good scientists, what they do is they come up with a hypothesis. They said, okay, if the biggest determining factor in the unhappy couples is the fact that there's a gap between what we expect and experience, I'm guessing over here, the happy couples, the reason why they're happy is they've just lowered their standard. 
They've just lowered their expectations. They know this person is who they are and this is all that. So I'm just going to lower my expectations. I'm not going to have these high expectations. I'm just going to live with who they are because I know who they are. That was their hypothesis. Here's the thing that will change your life. What they found was the exact opposite. When it came to happy couples who had been together a minimum of 10 years and longer, the spouse actually rated their partner higher in every single category than the spouse rated themselves. Let me read this to you, how they said it. The happiest couples rated their partner more positively in every category than their partner rated themselves. And this is their statement, and I love this statement. They had an unrealistic, positive view of the person they loved. Isn't that great? An unrealistic, positive view. What does that mean? Love is determined by what you put in the gap. There will be a gap between what you expect and what you experience. But you have a choice as to what you put in that gap. And what this study found is that every time that happens, if you have an unrealistic, positive view of the person you love, it's going to make all the difference. Now, if you're pushing back on that, which you could, that's okay. I want you to go back to when you first fell in love with somebody, right? And everything was great, and they're so awesome, and all the things they do is so great. I just love them so much. And I've done enough couples counseling to understand that after about five years, that one thing that you love about them, you kind of want to kill them now, right? Okay? All the married couples just laughed, all right? Listen, this is what happens, right? It happens over time. I love Ruth Graham, who is the wife of Billy Graham. Um, she was asked one time in an interview, she said, um, have you ever considered divorce? To which Ruth Graham said, divorce, no. Murder? Yes, okay? <laughs> That's Billy Graham's wife. That should make you feel better about your marriage, okay? Every time. What do you do with that? This is what happens. We have an unrealistic expectation of what they want to do. And this is what the study found. This is called an upward spiral of love. Listen to this. Believing the best in the other person creates a conviction in them, which gives them security in the relationship. Security is a key to the relationship because security builds trust. Not just any type of trust. High levels of trust. Trust then builds intimacy. And intimacy is the highest form of human relationship. Intimacy is to be fully known, to be fully loved and accepted. And friends, isn't that what we all want? And I'm not just talking about romantic love. Please understand, this applies to friendships. This applies to your coworkers. This applies to your siblings. This applies to every person in your church. There will be a gap at some point between what you expect and what you experience. And what you put in that gap matters how we see that. And this study is so important in my life, but it's interesting if they would have just read the Apostle Paul, if they would have just read their Bible, right? 1 Corinthians 13, 7. I'm going to read it again. Let's read it out loud together. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love is determined by what you put in the gap. There. Now I'll put the microphone down and we'll just go do it. <laughs> now I love you too much for that, okay? How, Pastor? Walk me through this. What does this look like? Again, if you got your note sheet, you want to write these down. If not, text it to yourself. Man, if, if, you, if you don't, I'm assuming you got this figured out. I'm going to put the microphone down. You can preach it, okay? Here's how we do this. Always protect. Love always protects. There's an old 80s song by Nazareth called Love Hurts. Everybody remember that song? All right, I'm not going to sing it to you. Everybody look right here. Love should never hurt. 
Love should never hurt physically, emotionally, sexually, spiritually. Love always protects, even from yourself. If you're in this room today and you have said negative things about yourself or to the person in the mirror, you need to quit doing that because love always protects. It protects our emotions and our bodies. There is a term in our culture, and I love this term. It's the term mama bear. Anybody heard that term before, mama bear? Okay, if you're not familiar with mama bear, what that means is for, for the moms in the room, I will rip your face off if you hurt my child, and I'll ask questions later, okay, right? All the moms are nodding right now. They get it. That's a mama bear. Listen, that's the kind of love that God has for us. It always protects. That's the kind of love we should have for each other. Listen, I understand there's going to be times there's gaps, right? But here's what I want you to understand. If, you, if I hear you say something negative about Andy, okay, the first thing I'm going to say is you're going to stop right now. You're not going to talk about my friend that way, even if Andy's wrong, all right? Because here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to protect Andy because I love Andy. Love always protects. Now, we need to sit down and have a conversation. We might find out there is something Andy needs to take. But you understand what I'm saying? My first mode and my first defense, if I truly love somebody, is I always protect them. So why on earth would I say anything negative about them? You with me on that? See, here's what I've heard, and my dad taught me this, and, and, and I love my dad. This is something that you want to write down. Praise them in public, correct them in private. Praise them in public, correct them in private. What I am saying is we do need to address behavior. Please don't hear me say that. You need to address the behavior, but we're going to do it in private. And if I have a problem with you, you and I are going to go talk about it one-on-one. -on -one. And if we can't get it worked out, we're going to bring one or two godly people, because why would we want anything else? Godly people to talk about it then. And if that doesn't work, we're going to do more. See, like Jesus said, right? That's how we love. We always protect. And again, even yourself. If you are in this room today, you are in a physically, emotionally, or sexually abusive relationship, you need to protect yourself. That's how you show love to that person. Love should never hurt. It always protects. Here's number two. It always trusts. Love always trusts. We have all lived life long enough to have been hurt. And if we had time to go around and share stories, I'm sure you could tell me stories of times when people have hurt things in your life. Here's the problem. If we are not careful, our past hurts can rob our current relationships. Our past hurts can rob our current relationships. Certain words or actions can trigger you. And you can start to assume somebody is thinking something or doing something, even though they might have no clue what they're doing because they're a completely different person. But it reminds me of my dad or my ex or whoever had hurt me in the past. And whenever you say or do that, I get triggered and I start thinking these things over here. You see why it's important to have conversations with people? Because they might not have any clue what they're doing. But it's triggering you. See that? Love always trusts. See, there's this word called suspicion. Boy, the more I'm pastoring people, the more I think suspicion is the biggest tool the enemy uses sometimes. Suspicion. I think that they do this. See, the problem is suspicion can be a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you think something about somebody, that might actually come true. Anybody know, if you're looking for a problem, you'll find it. <laughs> if you look at a relationship or any person long enough for a problem, you will find the problem. And the problem is our past hurts can stay with us. It can make us defensive without even knowing it. But let me remind you of the words of the Apostle Paul in verse 6. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. 
Part of always trusting people is I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt, but I need to seek the truth. I need to find out what really is going on here because here's the thing I found more often than not, sometimes a person doesn't even realize what they're doing. And love means, listen, I'm going to start with trust and we're going to have a conversation. This happened this week, and I know people get nervous. It's like, is he talking about me? Okay, let's forget that. All right. Or who's he talking about? Well, that just shows your heart. Okay, I just, this, this happened because I'm preaching this message. I'm getting ready to say this, right? And God challenges me sometimes saying, okay, do you really believe this? <laughs> I got some information, um, I think it was on Wednesday, about someone. And, and I went, whoa, this is not good. Okay? And, and I'll be honest with you. I'll be vulnerable with you. I went about seven different directions in my mind as to where this could possibly go. <laughs> and I'm like, this is not, and, and God said, hey, remember that whole always trust thing? <laughs> How about you go into this conversation actually trusting and, and, and believing the best that's, that's perfect? And so I sat down, this, this is two people I sat down with, and, and we talked, and, and they shared some things, and there were some things that I didn't even know about, right? And so I'm so glad we had the conversation. I'm so glad we worked through it. And this, one, one of the persons actually said to me in, in the conversation, I've been wanting to tell you this. I just wasn't sure how to do that. Man, that was good for me to know, wasn't it? You know what I mean? Like, how can we continue to build that trust? Always come into the relationship. Always come in. You need to have the conversation. But always go into the conversation. I'm going to protect you, and I want to build trust. I'm going to go into the conversation protecting you so I can find out what really happened, seeking the truth. Here's number three. Always hope. Love isn't trying to catch the other person doing something wrong. That's not love. Love isn't building a case against the other person. That's not love. Love is not keeping score to make sure that I'm on the winning side. That's not love. Love isn't this one time back on January 6, 1997, you did, okay, right? Put the Rolodex away. Don't pull it out. Younger generation's like, what's a Rolodex? Okay, don't worry about it. But, you know, we, we've done that before, don't we? That's not love. Love means hope. Love means I believe you will be better tomorrow than you are today. And, and I don't know. I, she might affirm this. I hope she might. But I would say to my wife, Elaine, I'm a better husband than I was five years ago. And my prayer is that five years from now, I'm going to be a better husband now, then than I am now. See, all of us have stuff that we're working through. All of us are broken, messy, sinful people that God has shown love to. But when I choose to love you, I hope that tomorrow is going to be better. And I'm going to believe that. And the reason why sometimes we have to have conversations with people is because, listen, what you're doing right now, it's negatively affecting our relationship. And I want to have a better relationship. So we need to sit down and we need to have that conversation. But at the end of the day, I believe that tomorrow is going to be a better day. I believe at the end we can be the people that Christ has called us to be because love always hopes. Here's the last one. Love always perseveres. Love always perseveres. It says, I am not going anywhere. It's really easy to hurt somebody and walk away. It's really easy to get in your comment and get in your side and then go and leave that person. You know what's harder? Having those conversations and then looking at somebody saying, and I'm not going anywhere. We're going to get through this together. 
Now, please understand, and I want to make sure I'm so clear on this. If you are in a relationship where you're being physically, emotionally, or sexually abused, you need to put up boundaries in that relationship immediately. You need to find people who can support you and who can godly guide you through that. That is showing the best love to that person because love never hurts. But here's how perseverance works. It says, listen, I'm going to pray for you. Okay? I might not have contact with you, but I'm going to pray for you because guess what? I can't change anybody, but the Holy Spirit can. And I'm going to hope that one day they're going to change your heart. And that someday you can be restored to Christ and so that one day we can take those boundaries down. And I believe that will happen. I believe you will come around. But in the meantime, this is how I'm going to show you love. Love always perseveres. If you're here today, okay, and you have been divorced, you're in a divorce right now, please hear me. God loves you so much. I'm not saying that you need to, I'm not saying that God needs to heal your marriage. That's not what I'm saying. Okay, God healed my marriage, and you, you've heard me say that before, okay? But Lane and I always joke, we're actually on our second marriage, it's just to the same person, <laughs> okay? Because that's not the, per- that person doesn't exist anymore, right? And, some, and, and marriage takes two people. Both of you have to be seeking Christ together. And if both of you are seeking Christ together and doing these things, I guarantee you got a pretty high rate of success. I can promise you that. Love always protects. That is the first mama bear reaction. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Winston Churchill in World War II, he was the prime minister of Great Britain during the bombings that were going on. Nazi Germany was just pounding uh, the city of London at that time. And he made a statement, and this is what he said. He goes, never, 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 never give up. One never for every day of the week. You know what I believe? I believe maybe someone here needs to say to their marriage, never, 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 never give up. Maybe that's your prayer. Maybe that's how you need to walk in the day and say, listen, this is a, I'm going to always persevere in relationships. And, and I'm going to go ahead and go there. There's a cancer in the American church right now that says, when I get my feelings hurt and I don't get my way, I'm going to pack up my toys and I'm going to go find another church. That is sin. That is sin. That's not love. That just says it's all about me and what I want and what I don't and what I get. Now, if you go find the perfect church, do me a favor, don't join it because it will not be perfect if you join it, okay? <laughs> right? There's no such thing as a perfect church. But, but how about we be a people that says, I'm not going anywhere. I love you. I'm committed to you. We need to have conversations. We need to work together. We need to make it right. But at the end of the day, Love always protects first. Always. It always trusts. I'm going to believe the best in you. I'm going to always hope that tomorrow we're going to be better. Today stinks, but man, tomorrow we can get better because of today. And it always perseveres. So as we land the plane for this series, I want to read to you one more time the greatest ever written words of what it means to truly understand love. And I'm going to start in verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. And here's the nail. Love always protects. 
It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. And permit me to add, and friends, a love like that will never fail. So one final time, church, you got to help me out. What's love got to do with it? Everything. Let's pray. God, I am so grateful for a guy named Paul who was so fervent in his religion that he completely missed you, the Savior of the world. And he started out by persecuting and, and killing your followers until one day you got a hold of him. And then, man, I'm so glad you did because not only did he help guide Philemon, who we talked about, but he wrote probably the most beautiful description of what it truly means to love and what that love means, God. I'm so grateful for that. God, I thank you for a guy named Philemon who, who helped, but Paul helped him get put in his place and, and show him and, and understand what that means. And, and what it means when you're a person in authority, in a position of authority over someone else. God, I'm so grateful for Peter. And, and Peter, in his love, and, and, and he said, listen, I was in the room the night Jesus said this. And when someone hurts you, you gotta bless them and walked his congregation how to do that. God, I'm so grateful for a guy named John who loved you dearly, who stood beside you, who never, never wavered once. And in his old age, as he was looking back, saw, man, how can I make sure that everybody understands that you show your faith in a God you can see by loving broken, sinful people whom you can see. And God, I pray that we be a church that always protects. God, that the first time we hear anything negative said about someone else, our response is to protect them. God, I pray that we always trust. We seek the truth. We find out the answer. We dig down deep, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's frustrating, even if it makes them upset, because we will always trust and start with that. God, I pray that we will always hope that tomorrow will be better than today, that we'll grow and get better each way. And God, that we would be a church that always perseveres. Never, 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 never give up. Keep fighting the battles together. And God, I pray that you would give us the wisdom and the strength and the courage to do what you've asked us to. Thank you and praise you and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. If you live in the Yankton area, we'd love for you to join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. at 310 Walnut Street. You can also check out more content on our website, yankton.church, or our YouTube channel, at Celebrate Yankton. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe to it and share with others. God bless.